surprisingly enough, wasn't always rise. In fact, I was rather stupid at many points in my journey um, and made some very unstable decisions from that. However, I would say uh, that it was thanks to the people around me and a hunger for wisdom that started to change the game. And if we are not intentional about wisdom, then you can bet your bottom dollar. Is that even a phrase? That's not a phrase, is it? Okay. Um, Come and stay a while amid the... British charm that is called my brain. I'm a journalist and pastor in California, but don't hold that against me. I wasn't brainwashed. I chose to leave my atheism on my own accord, consequently after two sips of Kool-Aid. But that's for another time. These opinions are my own, most of the time. The humour was learned of a book I found in a hedge, and the dreamer in me, well, she's here to stay. So, you're very welcome. Friends, Romans countrymen lovely to be back with you um it has been a while hasn't it a couple of months i believe um but i've been writing my third book which is coming out next year and um i'd love to tell you all about it um but not right now i'm very scared very nervous very vulnerable very excited apprehensive all of the things and i think it's because I've, the, the first two books that I wrote felt very much like a sort of teenage Carrie, even though I was in my 30s. This feels like adult Carrie rocking it hard on her curiosity about brilliant people. So this isn't really about me, although there might be a few little stories in there of my own experience on the topics that I'm writing about. But this is more about other people and finding um, the dynamite of dynamite Christians and talking to them. So I've interviewed everyone from, gosh, a reformed, um, he was a night general for the Church of Satan in New York. I've spoken to him. I've spoken to the former head of the Church of England. So I've gone on quite an array of different people, uh, just picking their brains and trying to seek understanding and wisdom on the subject that I'm wanting to write about. What's the subject? I'm, I can't tell you. I can't tell you that information. Naughty. Stop asking questions until in about a month and then you can ask questions (laughs) um but i'm looking forward to telling you more about it um and over the full time i'm going to be traveling a lot more so i'm uh, oh gosh i'm going to canada cleveland hawaii bakersfield oregon there's many different um places i'm i'm speaking at and so if you want to come and listen to me harp on about something then uh you can go to www.carrieloyd.live which is the website and on there somewhere on the website is an itinerary of where i'm at and what i'm speaking on so you're very welcome to come and join us and uh just have fun let's all have fun shall we we'll get a little we'll get a little bit always a little bit serious about ourselves don't we so that's one of the things I want to talk to you about today. Um, not so much let's have fun, but um, let's have fun during the journey of talking about wisdom. Sometimes I think we get intellect and wisdom confused. And I want to talk a little bit about what the Bible suggests wisdom is. I want to look at how we gain wisdom, how we lose wisdom, the things that hinder us from gaining more wisdom and um just a little bit about my journey with it, really, because I, surprisingly enough, wasn't always wise. In fact, I was rather stupid at many points in my journey um, and made some very unstable decisions from that. However, 
I would say uh, that it was thanks to the people around me and a hunger for wisdom that started to change the game. And if we are not intentional about wisdom, then you can bet your bottom dollar. Is that even a phrase? That's not a phrase, is it? Okay. Um, you can bet your bottom dollar? Is that even a Now I want to look it up. I want to pause this and look it up. But I won't because we have things to talk about. The world at this particular time, or perhaps even probably about five years ago, was considered genius level compared to those in 1910. So your kind of intellect and wisdom, so to speak, worldly wisdom, is far more intelligent than that of our ancestors in 1910. So pat yourself on the back, well done. Even if you are still just watching reruns of Kardashians, you are more more intelligent than those in 1910. Perhaps because we've had the information age, we've had so much stuff flying our way, we've fed so much information, way more than in 1910. Of course, our technology has changed dramatically over the time. And so we have been privy to a lot of information, a lot of experiences, a lot of travel. However, that does not necessarily mean that you have biblical wisdom. <laughs> and biblical wisdom is always seeking the truth on life and humanity. It's not always seeking the popular vote. It's not always seeking um, the, the supplication and the satisfaction towards feeding our feelings of happiness. Oh, and this is going to really upset you sweet little millennials. It's really going to upset the ones after that. And the ones after that, because oh, wisdom and feelings don't often go hand in hand. And I know you know that because you made some interesting decisions based on your feelings and then later on go, oh, that was a terrible idea. But sometimes people are not turning their wounds into wisdom. They're turning it into bitterness. They're turning it into hindering ways of cutting off relationships. I know some very intellectual people that I wouldn't necessarily refer to as being wise. Um, I know we'd love to just slay someone on Twitter with a fabulous opinion. Ravi Zacharias talks about this generation being the feelings generation. Well, that's very, very true. We see so much of the political movements being based on feelings, what protects our hearts, what makes us happy, what satisfies us. Um, and we have to be very aware that there are times when my father told me not to do something in wisdom. And because he loves me. So wisdom is actually the most compassionate type of wisdom I'm talking I'm talking about the compassionate type of wisdom that actually looks at both sides of the coin, that actually cares about both sides of the argument. And I always believe at the end of compassion comes wisdom. Assumptions are the number, let's start with the things that kind of hinder us from getting wisdom. I've seen too many times in conversations or just overhearing conversations on the tube or wherever I'm traveling that people make a huge amount of conclusions and assumptions based on tiny snippets of what they've experienced of somebody else, whether they, um, where they take their children to school, um, how they raise their children, how someone has is still single in their 50s, what's wrong with them. This is constant conclusion and assumption, a constant criticism of other people. In our own fear, we make a lot of assumptions and a lot of fear, we want to control situations. So we will make assumptions in order to, to conclude what we can therefore do. It's control. And so control, assumption and fear all comes in this triangular 
approach that then makes us make very poor decisions. There have been too many times in my life where I've looked back in my journey and I've gone, gosh, I made so many assumptions about how someone felt about me. And it's so fascinating to me how at some point we have sabotaged a great opportunity of a relationship. I know for me, I I remember there was a video somewhere online and I think it was about me promoting Bethel School. It's when I was a student. And um, a, a sweet friend of mine from school had seen me. I hadn't posted it. Someone else had tagged me in it. But underneath, he'd written a pretty strong line, which was, I think all the religious people should be round up and shot. <laughs> and in his mind, religion had caused an awful lot of war. It was causing all this carnage. And um, therefore, that was his solution to the to the argument. He then removed me off Facebook because I'd been in this this video that was promoting a religious church. And I messaged him going, hey, is everything all right? He said, yeah, I just really hate religious speak and I just really think they should all be shot, which I thought was ironic. You know, I think they cause all the wars, so therefore we should round them up and shot, shoot people. That for me felt like a fascinating conclusion <laughs> that came from your feelings, not from a wise answer. That's not a wise answer. That's actually a paradoxical oxymoron that you just mentioned there. But because you let your feelings get involved and your experience of religion in the way you made a conclusion that actually then hurt me and I didn't do anything to try and hurt you. This is just how I roll in my life. But I get it. I understand it. I understand why people get like that with religion. I understand that the religious um, church have not made great decisions in their time. Although if you look at statistics and actually did some research, you realize that most religions have not caused the major wars. In fact, if anything, it was the, it's the opposite. And uh, God had nothing to do with it. So the reason why I share that story is because many moons later... Um, I remember being quite hurt by that moment. I was really sad that not only, you know, had they said that I should be essentially round up and shot, but also it 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 meant that that person's opinion became more important than his connection with me, um, for him. And I've seen this a lot where even towards my own church, I've seen people shut down, cut off my church because they might follow one particular political stream than another and I've seen them cut people off which for me is the absolute antithesis of Christianity it's not the noble response it's a childish one and it's not one that um, derides on connection seeking understanding seeking unity and being in one accord so if someone has a different political opinion to me I'm never going to cut them off even though I used to I don't now because I recognize that at the end of compassion is wisdom. And me connecting with that person helps me expand my mind even more and helps me answer the questions that I might still believe in, but it helps have a healthy conversation. It also means that in unity, we can come to agreement and actually get things going as opposed to just segregating more and more and more like the church used to do. I have a friend who um, is a philosopher in Cambridge and I interviewed him recently for the book. A very, very wise man, incredibly astute to um, intellect and a, a, a wonderful believer. And one of the things that he is brilliant at, and this is the sort of next realm I want to look at, 
is he's very aware of himself, his shortcomings, where he goes wrong, uh, very much not the man that you would ever deem to be in denial about something. He will be aware of when something's wrong and he will face it directly and head on. For me, it's him seeking the Lord in all parts of his humanity that gains his own wisdom and therefore intellect. I've seen plenty of times where people can, I don't know, be an amazing general knowledge quiz person in a pub. But when it comes to their own fruit of their lives, they're very angry, very stressed, uh, very judgmental, very critical towards other people. And for me, I'm like, that's the wisdom part. The wisdom actually shows the fruit somewhere in your life. Your wisdom, normally they aren't very argumentative people. Normally they're willing to debate, but they actually have a, a sensitivity towards other people. They're compassionate. They don't cut into someone's character. They have humility to be teachable. And this is where they're actually now starting to say that even though we are the most intellectual we've ever been, or essentially in the world, considering as we're the most wise we've ever been, well, actually, the numbers are starting to deteriorate. And this is why, because we're allowing our feelings to get in the way. Doesn't mean to say that the feelings can't have a voice. They absolutely should. Needs absolutely need to have a voice. Our ability to... um to share and experience what we're feeling is very true, but wisdom doesn't always rely on the other person to gain the approval or give you an apology. And that's where bitterness can come involved. When people are wanting to get their needs met, their heart heard, um, when they're not taking ownership of how they're feeling by actually projecting it on somebody else, then for me, I find it very fascinating that they are at the precipice of finding wisdom in something and they lose it overnight because they are literally about to open a door to bitterness or they can seek a door to be compassionate towards the person that hurt them. And I can't tell you time and time again how I actually am seeing a lack of wisdom and intellect based on someone's own self-agenda. It talks about, in Proverbs 37, it talks about the mouths of the righteous utter the wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. Now, there's a difference between justice and just downright cruelty. There's a difference between justice. And justice in the Bible is about lifting another person up. It's not about tearing another person down. And so this is one of the things I sort of talk about in the book is uh, the gift of wisdom in the Christian and Christians are always seeking to negotiate and resolve. They push through instead of pull away. They seek to understand and ask a lot of questions before making assumptions. One of the, one of the downfalls that I often can see in a church environment or in leadership environment is let's take, um, let's take someone has, um, hurt another person. I don't even have to give you the scenario of what they did. But let's say one person, person A, hurt person B. Person B went to a leader in the church, complained about person A, gave them a very compelling story, and you can understand why person B is unhappy. Wisdom in that leader would go to person A and ask some questions before going to person A and assuming to get rid of them, to punish them, or to lay down the law. 
And I cannot tell you how many times in our own fear as people, because we don't want to lose numbers or we don't want to rock the boat, that we'll get rid of what we believe is the culprit. But what you realise is that person A actually didn't do that thing in the first place. Or they did, but with a very different approach. Let me give you an example. And I use this in the book. There is a boy who um, went to a school and he was stealing food from the canteen. Um, it was a regular thing. He'd become very well known as the thief of the school. And finally, reports were going back to the headmaster. Headmaster sat him down in his office and said, I've been having reports that you're stealing food. Is this correct? The boy says, yes. And he said, and can I ask why you're stealing food? Because surely you get money from your parents for the food in the canteen. He said, well, you would think. But actually, my father remarried a girl that's only seven years older than me. So he was 13, she was six, she was 19. And father had remarried this sweet little young thing who was very jealous of the love that the father gave to the son. And with that, she didn't hand over the money that the father had given his what his new wife to give to his son for pocket for food at each day. And so the boy was starving, literally starving. Sometimes if she was feeling generous, she might make him a jambati. But apart from that, he was on his own. And so he would steal food from other people and from the canteen as much as possible. On hearing and exploring and understanding to seek a gaining of wisdom in why a kid is doing this, he then came with a very different approach than expelling the boy and asking him not to come back. Instead, he made a decision that actually he was going to allow the boy to have free food at the dining ta- in, the, in the canteen and allowed him to also then make sure that he washed dishes. So it was an exchange that, okay, so I'm going to ask you to stop stealing food if we give you food for free. Now I understand that you are being starved on some level because of this jealousy that's happening from your new stepmother. So let's try and make sure you're fed at least breakfast and lunchtime. And all of a sudden, the boy became one of the favourite boys in the school because there was this compassion that was found. But how many of you understand that before he actually asked those questions, the guy was outcast, labelled as a thief and a kleptomaniac? And I can't tell you how many times I've done this, where I have tiny pieces of information that are backed up by visual evidence, and yet I didn't ask questions. The mysteries of the Lord always have to be found by us seeking understanding. There are too many proverbs in the Bible that talk about seeking understanding, finding the mystery of the Lord in the hidden places. We have to make an intentional understanding that every time we are hurt, this is the part where we can go into bitterness, where our pride can get us, where we want to get controlling and we we get very fearful. Or we can actually invite compassion in. We can have the humility to actually seek and gain wisdom. We can actually be teachable and recognize our shortcomings and be honest with ourselves. This is the beauty of Christ was that he was so honest about his own humanity, that he always gained. Pray that so you pray so that you may not be led into temptation. He prayed and sought wisdom on the things that could lead him into temptation. It's how he avoided it. 
We're seeking God's wisdom. And so often, because the tangibility of people right in our presence are the very, very thing that we believe are the factual truth of what's going on, I can't tell you how brilliantly that tactic works for the enemy. And before you know it, I've had friends distance from me without having a conversation with me. And it's not until I've been kind of pushing into them going, hey, is everything okay? Hey, you're not talking. What's going on? I need you to be honest because I can't help you. I can't, I can't do anything here unless you actually come and talk to me about the problem. And then you recognize that these people actually don't trust themselves. They, they're worried that they'll explode. They're worried that they'll um, hurt the other person. I've talked about this in trusting yourself and trusting others is the opportunity to actually be able to confront the privilege that it is some, for someone to come to me and go, this is what's happening. And then I go, oh, sweetheart, that's not at all what was what it was happening. That's I, I can see the lens that you were seeing that through. But if only you knew what I was doing at the afternoon and after that and after that then the wisdom that you would gain and the lack of detaching yourself from me would have really been quite something. And it's actually, it's one of those things that I'm, this is why I'm so grateful for friends that actually ask questions. And I'm also really grateful for friends that if they are hurting on someone, they'll reach out and ask questions. Um, There's this lovely proverb in a Proverbs 4, 6 to 7. It said, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. I love the point that it says, though it cost all you have. Wisdom does cost an awful lot. It is a huge sacrifice to gain. And this is why people like living in assumption and like living in denial because it's less of a sacrifice. But I can give you this, that when you start to walk into wisdom, your relationships completely change. Your ability to get closer to people intensifies and increases. Your ability to actually carry out good deeds and love people well is extraordinary. If you can find wisdom at the end of every dilemma, then I promise you, you will come out with a very wise resolve. No one hurts anyone without a reason or a background towards it. And so in a world full of opinions, we're trying to slay each other, conquering each other more with words than with physical violence. And we seem to be okay with that, but we don't recognize it's actually as damaging as physical violence. When we start basing our wisdom on what we have, on what experience we have, rather than uh, gaining wisdom from people that have probably lived a longer life than us, that have better fruit in this particular area, the stories we've heard from friends and the behaviors of others are, if that's our basis, we're in real trouble. So we're, we're likely not to make a good ju- judgment and we're likely to make a very biased opinion in any given situation. The fact that we are actually losing wisdom in this particular time because we're basing so much on our feelings and our happiness and um, our, our needs to get our heart heard, we are bulldozing and trashing the opinions and the heart of another. And that for me is not the gospel. It's not us laying down our lives for our brother. It's not us trying to resolve and unify through wisdom. And here's the deal. I don't want to, I don't want to bash or poo-poo the importance of having our needs met. That is a a heart that our Lord wants for us to have plans to prosper us. But I also recognize that um, 
I think it's a pendulum swing from, you know, our, our fathers, fathers were so focused on achievements, affecting of survival that we weren't given much room for our heart to be heard. And so at times we felt ignored, abandoned, um, misunderstood, unknown. But now we've pendulum swing to actually becoming less wise because we're all about the heart and we've become entitled with it. And so I can sometimes figure out Sometimes when I have people come towards me and they think they're being wise or emotionally intelligent, they're actually being incredibly one-sided. They have no awareness to think about the other person in the situation, even if the other person has actually caused some harm. They haven't sought to understand why that person caused them harm. They just want to let you know how bad that was for them. And that doesn't actually bring any resolution. It doesn't bring fruit. And it certainly doesn't bring any resolve for the other person either. It doesn't help them. Um, I remember not too long ago, actually, um, there was an event that was taking place where someone uh, was speaking about their journey. They'd had an affair and... Um, Quite a few people that I knew had had um, had been working for this person whilst the affair had been taking place, and I knew that it was a lot of a lot of journeying, a lot of um, resolving how to find. Um, I don't know forgiveness, I guess, towards that person, and it had been taking some years for a lot of these guys and most people that I know. Um, are still in a sort of bitter pit of um, disgust, upset. And they haven't really moved on. In fact, if anything, it's now that bitterness is now starting to sort of merge into other areas of their life. And that's the, that's the poison of bitterness. Um, it makes you start to have a very different view on the world because you haven't resolved this bitter pill that we've taken towards one person. And so this event where the guy was speaking and speaking very honestly about the journey and the redemption, restoration, um, how his entire church left overnight, but he wasn't acting as a victim. He was just being very honest about the story and his brokenness. But I, I, there are a few people that wanted to basically tell him his, their thoughts and their opinions about him. And they wanted to just say, hey, this really sucks for me. This is really hard. You were like a father to me. And instead, you broke my trust, my heart, and I've not been the same ever since. Essentially placing on all of our lack of healing and our lack of wisdom in our own life based on someone else's poor choices. Now, I can understand that pull to want to go and say something just to finally get it off the chest, you know. And I said to one of my wonderful, very wise friends, I said, can I, can I just check into that for a minute? He said, sure. I said, just, you know what? I think just go and listen to him. I know it's been a while since you've seen him, but I think I actually feel the Lord's going to heal you just in listening to him tell his story. You might find places that you want to pick that apart, but I want you to start looking at him with the eyes of compassion. There's a reason why he did what he did, and we've got to figure out why. And actually, that could be the breakthrough for you and your leadership towards other people. You could help people avoid this exact situation. And so brilliantly, he went in and listened and was really moved and did actually feel a huge amount of compassion, felt a lot better. 
without having to share his hearts and feelings and needs. Because most of the time we can actually go back to the Lord and seek an understanding like the boy who was stealing apples to the to the leader that was having an affair. We can actually find wisdom that always ends up with some form of compassion. And I was so proud of the ones that actually listened to that rather than still trying to find ways to punish or pursue a heart of just wanting to them to be on their knees, crying their eyes out. And this guy was crying. But I think it was the fact that he wasn't apologizing to the ones that he was leading. He'd apologized to many other people. But I think these ones felt a little bit left out. And whatever that looks like now, I was very, very pleased that instead of just going in with an agenda, he sought wisdom from me and from other people around him to do the right thing. Because actually... What you want to find in everyone is restoration, is redemption. And if we cut off, if we close off to other people, we're not being wise. If we are making a judgment and concluding, we're not being wise. If we're making a decision that we're putting them in this bracket because that makes us feel comfortable, we're not being wise. We're just being naive, narrow-minded, and we don't grow. And if I can, oh, if I can be honest here... I think there are times where I'm seeing, you know, I've said this to my sweet third years who are, you know, in the sort of early 20s to mid 20s. Uh, Lila, my assistant, is uh, just around about my, my age, so I wouldn't put her in the same bracket. But there is a time where they actually wanted to um, share their wisdom and, you know, sort of quote themselves and put them on Instagram and... You know, just just be a blessing to the world, you know. And then uh, you would find me going, mm, I need you to get a job, you know. I love, I do, hear me, hear me out. I'm not judging people on their Instagram stories. But I would say this, I think we want to gain wisdom without the areas of self-conquest, overcoming the hurdles of life. And I would say wisdom actually comes with an awful lot of facing facts. Wisdom comes with facing pain and seeking his guidance and insight onto those things. And until then, you probably will not feel the weight of your words of wisdom ever impact anyone until you've got a job. Or until, you know, you see this with um, people that got married very, very young, they often can want to share their their wisdom on uh, being married by the time they've been married for two years and they're sort of hitting the age of 23. Well, that's great. And the reason why they're actually feeling the need to sort of create and talk about their experiences of marriage is because it's the only thing they've really had to find to battle against in the sense of this is the first time they can't run away. They have to stick in it and work it out with the husband. And so on that level, that's why they feel like they're gaining wisdom. And they actually are. They are gaining all the time. But if we are hiding behind Instagram and social media, if we are hiding behind um, our opinions on Twitter and just annihilating someone, <laughs> whether it's Trump or somebody else, you understand that you're actually never gaining much in your character, so therefore you're not gaining much in wisdom. Ooh, I said it, I said it. Shirking an opinion across the internet doesn't give you wisdom. It just causes probably more drama in your day. But if you really take on the very things that the Lord's given you in your particular life today, whatever the hurdles are in front of your life, 
whatever the circumstances that you're currently battling, if you are stressed, if you are highly anxious, which I'm hearing a lot of people go through right now, it's often because we've been taught how to avoid all of the circumstances and hurdles in our life when we were younger. And now we're dealing with an awful lot of stress and high anxiety because we actually haven't been equipped or told how to resolve these things. And if I'd been told when I was younger, hey, listen, if you can face, if you can learn how to face this hurdle with an element of wisdom, your anxiety will lessen a lot. <laughs> your stress levels will decrease vastly because you actually knew how to finally face some of these stressful factors and you therefore equipped yourself with a wisdom that can overcome anything. I just took Amanda Cook around the war rooms the other day in in England, London, and uh, it was. I mean, he's considered one of the greatest British statesmen in the in the country. There, he had many, many um, quirks. Many, many people would say he was very difficult, but I would say in times of strife, he was brilliant. And his wisdom, his shrewd strategies to overcome other people were because of his own what he called the black dog his own hurdles that he had to find in himself if we don't embrace those you will not gain wisdom if we don't embrace the ability to stop being in denial about some of our wounds and actually be honest about them we can turn them into wisdom does that make sense i hope this is making sense so let me finish with this and i just i have a a, a few pointers to recognize what wisdom actually does and doesn't do Wis wisdom doesn't assume and always ask questions it never looks through a paranoid lens assuming the other has done something out of spite it seeks to resolve rather than have the voice heard it always has a two-way conversation in the sense it doesn't come with a monologue towards somebody else does that make sense you got it okay good it ignores the short-term gains for the long-term benefits. It considers legacy. It doesn't just think about what it gains. It considers what's, how is this going to be helpful for the next generation and the people after me. It never lets ego nor pride get in the way of executive decisions. It is patient and takes time to, big, to make big decisions. It doesn't make rash ones. It doesn't let emotions disconnect from another person, even if they've been hurtful. Being in denial to yourself actually stops your ability to be truthful to yourself and therefore you will take on unwise decisions. Just because you can make witty quips or slay another on, online in conversation doesn't make you wise, nor even right. Those who hunger for the truth will always come closer to true wisdom. It is not easily offended. It's happy to take correction and is always teachable. Bitterness often comes from poor assumptions or maybe the boss did hurt you and handled something really poorly. But you have to ensure that you are not tough-hearted. You're tough-minded, never easily swayed, but you haven't shut off your heart. We can either surround ourselves with wiser people or look for compadres who are the same to us and guess when which one which one makes you wiser. <laughs> a hunger for wisdom actually begins to change the choices of your life you stop dating unwise men or unwise women you are aware of the things that will cause more harm than good 
I've dated a guy before and the committee around me told me it was a bad idea. I wasn't sure why, but I trusted their opinion. And I was really grateful for those people who could take on the courage to tell me that. And it wasn't easy for them, but I adhered to their wisdom and chose not to continue that particular relationship further forward. And also that particular guy was really under understanding at the time as to why that had to happen because he too longed for wisdom and trusted the wise people and counsel that I had in my life. And so when you adhere to wisdom in your friends, it actually really, it saves a lot of heartbreak later on. And I just am done with heartbreak, unnecessary heartbreak. My friends, the, when I talk about having a committee or a wise council, my friends, they're not all married. Uh, in fact, I often go to single people in order to navigate how to handle being single. I don't go to my married friends to talk about how to navigate being single because they've been married for a long time. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk to them about the hurdles, the restraints of it. Um, often you'll find married couples will just try and marry you off as a solution. But actually, I always want to try and seek wisdom from people who have chosen either a life of celibacy or have um, just not found the right one. But they also act with wisdom. They're not making unhealthy choices with their relationships. They they are not heavily critical towards other people. That's always a great sign for me that they're wise. Just FYI. Um, but also my friends, whether they're married or single, um, leaders or family members, my friends know where my soft spots are. So they know where I'm, I'm more likely to make mistakes. So if I am in a state of denial, I'll always make sure that other people are checking in the blind spots um, just to keep a closer eye on that particular season if I am in a soft spot season. Um And also there are some people that I have speak into my life and there are some people who, whom I speak into their life and they're often not the same people. And then I would say the closest friends of mine are those that I can do both with. We speak into both of each other's lives and listen upon the wisdom of each other. But above all, compassion is the most fundamental element of wisdom. If you don't have compassion towards another person, you will not make the wisest decision. I'm not talking codependency here. I'm not talking be a walkover. I'm talking making sure that you don't come at the situation with bitterness, with disconnection or an agenda for the self. And often when I've seen people pull away and I've pushed in to ask more questions, I can see why they made that decision. But the one thing I always ask them is, can you do me a favor next time and just ask me questions before you make those decisions to pull away? To which they go, of course, I promise I won't do that again. And... It's a great gaining of understanding who you are when you really are seeking wisdom. Before my, my intentions to want to seek wisdom, I would read it in a book, I would listen to a sermon, but I wasn't looking at the subtleties of our everyday choices that can make or, or bust a wise move. So I think it's time to to obviously always revert to the, the Bible for wisdom. It's the greatest piece of um, material we can ever seek wisdom on. But I also want us to make sure that we're not in denial and using any kind of religion to avoid us being honest with ourselves. It's with the honesty with ourselves that we might recognize the needs that we have. But also wisdom tells you whether that's to do with another person or whether that's to do with your own insecurities. 
And the wiser people get, the less insecure they become. The wiser people get, the more confident they are in navigating difficult times. The wiser people get, and I'm not talking about intellect, the wiser people get, the better they are at negotiation and compassion. The wiser people are, the more forgiving they are because they've actually sought to understand the depths and the complexity of humanity. And with that comes your disco, baby. <laughs> so listen, I, I hope that helps. I want to keep this fairly short today. But I am really tired of seeing a generation of arguing and high anxiety and high stress. And actually some of this is about actually seeking wisdom. What's the wise choice today? What would be wisest in this situation? And I would say the people in my life I'm so proud of because they always, they reach out and they want to know what the wise decision would be, whether it's dealing with a visa or dealing with a circumstance with other people. That does not give us the right to gossip, to slander another person. Covering actually looks like speaking to the person first who's hurt you, gaining an understanding. And if you can't gain an understanding with them, then go to another person and say, I'm going to go and seek some wisdom from somebody else if that's okay. Because that makes sure that you're actually still building trust with that person. Um, so the self-help books are great the non-fiction department's always got your back but at the same time we're so beautifully complex don't reside everyone down to a bracket or a label or a book or an experience that you had because you never know every time you ask a question you'll learn a new story and it's why whenever I pass someone on the streets who's homeless, I don't assume that they're a drug addict. I sometimes, if I have time, I'll sit down and ask them their story. And every time I've sat down with someone on the streets who's sleeping on a cardboard box in the smelliest sleeping bag, I'll hear a story of heartbreak normally. Or someone died and it began this roller coaster of not seeking wisdom, but seeking how to survive. And so I can understand why we've got ourselves into these places sometimes. I can understand why we get to that point. But it, you really are who your peers are. And you really are... Um, I tend to find the most peaceful ones for the, for the wisdom. Not the drama kings and the drama queens. I love fun. I love amusement and humour. But I, I'm... I act with caution if I hear anyone make label statements or get dramatic or get over the top because somewhere in there, wisdom was asked to leave the room. And I'm just asking you, if you could, to ask wisdom to come back into the room and you'll find that your life will be more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more gentle. <laughs> you know where I'm going. And it will have some self-control. So if there's a dilemma in your life today that you're just needing to gain wisdom on, perhaps stop trying to throw out the fleeces and trying to find the signs from the Lord and find some trust in yourself to ask the honest question that will bring the honest answer. And it is not based necessarily on your happiness. It's based on truth and on the type of justice that always lifts up the other person, even if they were the ones that hurt you. God bless you. Stay in touch. I'll speak to you soon.